0: Turning your Bibles to Mark chapter seven. Mark chapter seven. For a few moments, I appreciate so much, Brother Jerry coming this way. I know they're headed to Arizona, and uh, they can't even spend the night and spend some time with their family. They got to get out there and uh, relieve this pastor who needs them desperately as he's had surgery. So uh, you pray for him. Amen. That's a long trip. I get uh, bored driving to Atlanta, much less driving to Arizona. Amen. We're just going to preach just a few minutes to conclude this service. I want to conclude Mark chapter 7. Let's stand on the Word of God, verses 31 through 37. You've been sitting for a while, but we stand in reverence and honor to the Word of God. Amen. We also stand and salute the flag. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment of speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven... He sighed and said unto him, Ephrathah, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the strings of his tongues was loose, and he spake plain, amen. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much more a great deal they published it. Here's my text. And were beyond measure, and were beyond measure, Astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. You may be seated. Father, thank you for who you are. And Lord, what we can be if we'll just die to self, be filled with the Spirit of God. That Lord, we can do superabundant and beyond measure what we could ever do in the flesh. So, God, challenge our hearts just for a few minutes, as this missionary has already challenged our hearts by his yielded life, God reading the letter of Brother Nix and seeing the many years he's been faithful to go to the prisons all over America, God we can do much more than just be in the flesh, we can be a miracle, and that God we can be vessels that make an eternal difference in people's lives, so Lord thank you for tonight, speak to your hearts and thank you for the privilege to preach one more time on this side of heaven, in Jesus name, amen. I'd like to entitle this message, Well Done. And you know, a lot of times when we hear those two words, Well Done, we're thinking about when he says, Well Done, to us. But I see a group of people that looked at Jesus in verse 37, and they said, Well Done, Jesus. And I want to tell you something, he always does good. Amen? He's a perfect lamb of God, and I want to tell you something, he does a whole lot more than we could ever do. But I notice in this passage, Jesus leaving the Gentile city, of Tyre and Sidon, and he headed back to Galilee, but Jesus and his men do not go straight back to that Jewish country, but he takes his men, verse 31, and he goes by way of Decapolis, and folks, as they went to Decapolis, they took a long route. I looked it up, and it's about 70 miles, maybe 80 miles. Now, can you imagine how long that took walking? That's going to take Three days for an older gentleman to drive it. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'd hate to have to walk to Arizona. Say amen. But here's here's our Lord walking 70 uh, miles. And somebody estimated, you know how these commentators are, uh, that it took about eight months, and that would represent about 20% of the Lord's total earthly ministry. But I guarantee you he didn't waste one day with his disciples. I believe he was teaching and training. Amen? That's what we need to do is teach and train. We need to disciple uh, our teenagers and disciple our bus kids. And, and it's already started yesterday at the, at the breakfast, and I'm so excited about that. And also interesting that Jesus goes to Decapolis. Now, folks, the last time he was there in Mark chapter 5, verse 17, he out of that place because he had uh, caused the first incident of suicide. He cast out a legion of demons out of this guy, the Gadarean maniac, streaking through a country graveyard, didn't have a lick of sense, and you don't have a lick of sense if you yielded to the devil, say amen. And he's streaking through a country graveyard, and he gets kicked, uh, they, uh, he puts those demons into some pigs, and those pigs jump over the cliff because they'd rather be dead pigs than be demon-possessed pigs, say amen. And I want to tell you something, folks, that made the farmers mad. <coughs> that made the moneymakers mad. That made the pork industry really mad, and they kicked Jesus out of the Now I want to ask you a question. What made the difference? Why did he, was he welcome back in this country? I think I've the answer in Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Look at it real quick. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Now, if we're going to take the Lord's Supper, we'd take an extra 15 minutes, so I'm taking an extra 15 minutes and preach. I'll have you out here at 7:29. I better not say that. I'll, I'll have you out here when I finish. But look, Matthew, Mark chapter 5, verse 19. Says, how it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him to not but to say unto them, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. He's talking to that Gadarene maniac that's sitting clothed in his right mind, verse 15. And he says, Go home and tell everybody what I've done for thee. And he departed and began to, listen, publish in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I'll tell you why he was welcome, because there was one man that got uh, saved, and he got sanctified, and he got thrilled, and he got satisfied with having Jesus instead of a bunch of demons. He got set free, and he started telling everybody how great Jesus was. I want to tell you something, folks. What we need to do is get in the business of magnifying what God's done. And what he has done, and we need to say like these people in verse, this verse 37 of Mark chapter 7, that we are astonished beyond measure that he's done all things well. I believe we need to make much of Jesus, amen? And I believe, folks, that's witnessing. I believe we ought to share our testimony with a thrill in our soul and a tear coming out of our eye if we can possibly do it. Some people are against that, but I'm not. And I think we ought to be so grateful that God, what God has done in our life that we welcome them to receive Jesus and be saved. I see, first of all, the man in his condition in verse 32. He was deaf and almost dumb. Jesus loves the handicapped. Amen. So we ain't got to step in this place except going upstairs uh, outside. We want people to come that, that cannot walk. And, folks, I want to tell you something. All those who have suffered so much in this world, but trusted Jesus, He's, they delivered, they've been delivered from sometimes the wheelchair and the crutches and the beds and the institutions. But I will to tell you something, folks, they've been delivered from a path on to hell and delivered to go to heaven, and folks, they ought to never get over the greatest miracle of all, and that's salvation. Number two, we see the master in his cure. He took him aside and touched him. Now, I don't understand the spit, and I don't understand the touch of the tongue, but maybe he was trying to tell this fellow, "I'm about to work a miracle in your life, so listen up. When you get your ears back and when you get your tongue, praise it up." Amen. I don't know, but I'll tell you something. He came to us when we couldn't come to him, and this fellow wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus came to him, and folks, He came to us when we wasn't looking for Him. He saved our unworthy souls. Look at Second Corinthians 5:21, please. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says that he that knew no sin became sin for us. Now think about this just a second. He could have stayed in heaven, and he could have had all the uh, uh, glories of heaven, but he came to us, and he died for us, and he took our place at Calvary. And this is one of the greatest salvation mer- verses in the Bible. It says, and he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him folks he came to us and folks he came to this blind man and this almost uh, dumb man that couldn't speak he had an impediment of speech and he took him aside and he touched him but I want you to look at verse 34 and I believe this is the key to our ministry and it's the key to your ministry Mark chapter 7 and I want you to look at verse 34 please Mark seven thirty-four. the Bible says this and looking up to heaven he sighed and he said to him to that is, be open. Up to heaven. Why do you think he sighed? I, play, I think he was saying, my communion is with the Father. And what I'm about to do, God gets the glory. And he was dependent upon the Father. And he served a God that cared and loved and invited this little fellow that's so handicapped to come to him and folks I want to tell you something. here's the secret of compassion, your communion. Many times Jesus would pray like when He raised Lazarus from the dead. Many times he'd look up to heaven and sigh, and I believe that was a sigh of love and a sigh of dependence and a sigh of communion. And folks, the closer our communion is with God, the more effective our ministry will be, and don't ever forget it. We can muster up some feelings. And we can try to go through the ministry. But I want to tell you something. If you don't spend time with God, you won't care about sinners. You won't care about the loss. You won't care about the need. All you'll care about is yourself. And God helps us. The amazing grace of God not only delivers us from our sin, but delivers us from ourselves. But every day we need to walk with God. And every day we need to commune with God. A little boy came home from school and looked rather sad. And his mother said, Honey is everything all right? He said, no. I, I, he said, but Billy, what, what happened today at school to make you so sad? He said, my schoolmate Billy came to school today and told, us, told his class that last week his daddy had died. And they just buried him two days ago, Mama. And he said, Mama, Billy was so upset about his daddy dying and he just cried and he just cried. And his mother said, well, what did you do? And he said, I just laid my head on the desk and cried with him. Amen. You might not always know what to say, but you ought to be there when people are hurting. Say amen. And you might not know what to say, but you can cry with people. You can hurt with people. And you can love people, folks. And that's exactly what our Lord did. And praise God, after communing and after that compassionate touch, pull him off to himself, he touched him, and his ears were open. And praise God, he was... He was healed, and there's power in the touch of the master. Let me just close by this. In verse 36 and 37, the main point of the message, but I'll make it to the point. I see the multitude in their confession. In verse 36, the Bible says, And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it what a contrast. He told them to tell no man, they told everybody. He tells us to tell everybody, and we don't tell anybody. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible commands us to go. And the Bible tells us to uh, go and, and tell. And the Bible says we are filled to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and be His witness. And that's that evidence of being filled. You don't feel charismatic for a filling. You're filled to overflow. And you're filled to be a witness, amen. And, folks, I believe we ought to be a witness that is so enamored and so appreciative of what God has done in our life. On the way to the funeral today, I was listening more of that uh, ordination service, my own ordination service. Y'all gave it to me, so I'm going to listen to it. And it was two hours long, but I didn't preach one minute. But I did stand before 500 people and answer about 45 minutes of questions. I would never do that to a young man. That is, that, is, that is torture, and I, I was amazed uh, that God gave me as a 25-year-old man Scripture for every answer, and even the preacher said, he, get, he just shot the Scripture back at you, so y'all can't argue with it. One guy got up and said, well, Brother Wayne, uh, and he was just a smart aleck, but he, and I was afraid of that, he said, how about the lost books of the Bible? And I'd never heard of the lost books of the Bible. I didn't know there were any. I don't think there is any. Say amen. And all I do to say is, hey, if he can't lose a soul, I don't think he can lose a book. Amen. <laughs> and I, the whole word of God is the whole word of God. Amen. And I said, I got by with that one. I even set up a question. I told Alfie, my cousin, I said, ask me if there's a hell. And so he raised his hand and he said, he said uh, is there a hell? And I preached on it for about 30 minutes and got through that thing. But I just stand amazed. My wife and I had just been married a couple months. We're 25 years old. We didn't know nothing. But I'd been in Sunday school and church all my life, and God had put the word of God in my heart. And I'd never do that to a young person, put him in front of a whole whole church. That's supposed to be a presbytery, some little room with about five or six preachers. And I thought, "My, my word. Where did that come from? And I want to tell you something. My wife began to cry, and I thought she was crying over the great answers that I was given and she was crying over her best friend being murdered by the guy that was asking me the questions, who had an adulterous affair with his, with his secretary and run off and then killed his wife and got away with it. But About 45 years of age he didn't get away with it because God killed him. And I'm just going to say this friend it's amazing to me that I'm still in the ministry after that. It's amazing to me that I didn't pack up my clothes and pack up my Bible and go hide on a pew somewhere in a big church and say, I'm finished with this. But there is a God. and There is a God that calls you. There's a God that lays his anointing upon you, and you can't do anything but preach, and you can't do anything but witness. And you can't do anything but be a, a, a guy that shows up on the job that's praising God instead of being pitifully and pouting and being pitiful all week about the weather. I've heard so much griping about the rain. I almost preached on Noah's Ark uh, this afternoon at the funeral. But folks, we can't change it. Maybe the farmers are praying for it. But I want to tell you something, folks. We can proclaim and confess that God is enough and that beyond measure He has blessed you. And I think it is so terrible when couples take each other for granted. That's what we're teaching on this week, about respecting and loving and never letting that go old in the marriage. That We ought to respect and love, and it's a cycle of blessings and life and vitality and spontaneity and romance in your marriage. But I want to tell you something, friend. We can lose it with the Lord. You can sit here like a wooden Indian if you want to, and you can go through the motions if you want to, but I want to tell you something. You can get over being saved if you want to. But i look at this next verse in closing. It says, and there and, and we're beyond measure. They published when they said, he said don't publish. He knew he, they couldn't hold it back. And he says, and we're beyond measure astonished, saying he has done all things well. That's kind of an understatement, don't you think? He's done more than well. He's done it perfect. Look at this. He made both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. I'm going to close with this thought. He's blessed us beyond measure. Well, my favorite song by the Clark family is "Blessed Beyond Measure." I'm not much into gospel singing, but uh, when those when that group sings, it blesses my heart. And sometimes I just turn it up loud and go down the road smiling, and hope I don't get a ticket. He's blessed me beyond measure. He's blessed me to be your pastor for 41 years. That's unheard of. And I'm not talking about me doing something great. It's y'all's patience because I was just a kid when I started this church. I just finished that ordination service and got out of town. But I want to say this, friend. He's blessed you beyond measure. He's loved you more than any person could ever love you. He's helped you. He's encouraged you. He's loved you more than any person could ever love you. He has changed you more than any other person could change you. He he has used you more than you could ever be used in this world for any mundane, temporal trinket of, of this world. And he's used you, and it's summed up, he's done all things well. I want to echo the words of this multitude in their hearts. They looked to the past. They saw their failures, but never saw Jesus' failures. They looked to their flesh and saw their limitations. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you're living beneath your God-given privilege, if you're not spirit-filled. Because I want to tell you something. Right now, Brother Jerry, you could go home to Covington, Georgia, you could probably be in business a little bit more for a couple of years and retire, and maybe get a little money. Maybe improve the house a little bit. Take it easy. But God's called you to do something beyond your measure, and that thrills my heart. People don't want to retire; they want to refire. And folks, I want to tell you something: when you do something for God, it will last for eternity. It brings glory to your maker, your sustainer, and your savior. And folks, you ought to go around every day and look in the mirror and say, Dear God, thank you for the miracle in my life. You've blessed me beyond measure. And I believe he's blessed you beyond measure to be a blessing. And he wants you to step out by faith this week and do something supernatural. And do something eternal. And do something that will bring glory to God and it will never return void. See, 10,000 years from now, what you do in the flesh will be forgotten. But 10,000 years from tonight, what you do for God and his glory through his power, because you love him and love others, it will last forever. Eternity. You get hooked up with eternity. And So look at that phrase. Beyond measure. I don't want to live an ordinary life. I don't want to be average. I truthfully want to be a miracle of what God could do through me. How about you? Let's pray. Father, use this message. Thank you for the book of Mark. It sure has blessed my heart to see the servant of all servants, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your servant, your servants by today. Brother Jerry and Sister Denise, challenging our hearts as they go across the seas and across the states that we ought to go across the street and be blessed beyond measure by yielding to you and letting you be who you are through us.